Well, for everyone yeah. you know listening in on this episode, this is Veronica Bradley of Vector Brewing, and yeah, I kind of wanted to reach out just because yeah, kind of fellow UNT alumni, and then also kind of fellow in the alcohol industry. So, kind of wanted to reach out over that. Yep, it's a fun place to live right now with the alcohol industry. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's uh, definitely yeah. bizarre, especially with COVID. But yeah, yeah. kind of uh, really wanted. I kind of wanted to learn about um, kind of Vector Brewing and your story. Is just kind of what kind of led you into Vector Brewing. Uh, uh, were you kind of a big fan of beer in general before kind of taking on this, or did you have experience um, beforehand in the alcohol industry? Yeah, um, it was it was definitely a very interesting path. So uh, I guess I'll start with my my husband and I own it together, and mm. our background is creative advertising. So we oh. met like working for a pretty big ad agency, and um, he ended up. So we well, <laughs> it's a, a fellow a fellow of ours a friend of ours in advertising um got sick of advertising as a lot of people do when they're getting near 30 or older because it's just it's a young man's game and he wanted to start a brewery and so my husband ended up basically leaving advertising to help start Lakewood Brewing Company maybe you've oh, heard of it mm-hmm. yeah so yeah the owner Wim Benz is is a good friend of ours and um my husband Craig started Started working there. He was one of the first three employees, and then they hired their brewer. So, um, yeah, he helped get it off the ground, kind of was the one-man marketing team, um, mm-hmm. which is, yeah, but in Lakewood, before they opened, they had actually tasked Tracy Locke, which was an agency we also all used to work at, was doing the branding and stuff, and then Craig lost his job, and so Wim was like, well, I wanted Craig to work on it anyway, so Craig should just work for me. And so mm-hmm. uh, that's what he did it. um in Lakewood and you know we've all we're all craft beer drinkers anyway and after being there for a few years uh Craig and I were just kind of like what what would we do if we opened something similar or you know how would we go about doing it or what would our vision be and it just kind of I like to tell people it's it's the weirdest accident we've ever had because we would take one step just to see and then we'd end up taking another and then all of a sudden we trademarked a name and then all of a sudden we wrote a business plan and then we had a loan and it was just like you know we're in the middle of construction and we looked around and went oops <laughs> I guess uh <laughs> guess we're doing this this kind of happened so mm-hmm. yeah it was a very it was a very slow process because it wasn't I mean it was intentional but it wasn't aggressively so I guess and um mm-hmm. here we are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now we have a brew pub. <laughs> <laughs> and has uh, I guess coming from the advertisement world has that had any I guess advantages disadvantages on kind of starting a restaurant uh has it helped I guess out with kind of marketing campaigns or Yeah, it's had some huge advantages. So um my background is the communication side, so copywriting. Um and then his background is graphics, art direction. And so, you know, when we started getting serious about it, um, all of our materials always looked and sounded great because that's what we did. You know, we've, both of us have done work for clients of all industries and he's actually worked on various restaurant accounts and 
you know, um, both of us have consumer packaged goods experience as it's called. And, um, I've done work for restaurants and pubs. So, so we knew the space from the marketing standpoint, what was kind of new to us was like basically asking people for money. That's not something we'd ever really done before. I mean, like we've worked for nonprofits and stuff, but it's one thing like writing an email saying, Hey, donate to breast cancer versus like, Hey bank, I need a million dollars. <laughs> Give it to me. Um, mm-hmm. But with that being said is, uh, you know, we, we made a really good looking business plan and I've, I've written them for other small businesses before. So it wasn't new territory to me. I'm a researcher. That's part of copywriting. So it wasn't, nauseating and scary um but what really got got the ball rolling was um when we found the space we wanted we weren't even funded yet we just there was a space we were interested in we're like oh we should just call and see what rent kind of costs so we could put it in the business plan and so mm-hmm. craig got a meeting with these guys he just wanted a phone call and they ended up saying like oh come have a meeting with us and real quick he's like he's like we need a website and so I, we literally built a website like that night for his meeting the next day and <laughs> um and yeah i mean because we i mean we already had logos and everything because yeah we're obnoxious creative ad people and so it got the landlords like in our corner immediately and they ended up helping us out a whole lot um you know just because we'd never rented a commercial space before and you know, they really got the ball rolling. So all in all, yes, advertising mm-hmm. helped us incredibly because we were able to market ourselves, which is when you're trying to open something of this caliber, you're the product. You know, people need to trust you, believe you, want to invest in your success. And once they like you, then, you know, your place will follow. <laughs> so, so. Yeah, so you kind of talked about on kind of going to banks and getting loans for um, the establishment. And I remember seeing in your Dallas Voyage article where you talk about, I think it was the government shutdown, so 2018 and 2019. And I remember, yeah, kind of with with that, you kind of said that you saw funds drying up and I was kind of, uh, I didn't understand kind of what that meant. And I was kind of wanting, uh, if you wanted to kind of dive into that. Yeah, so you know, there's, there's a thousand different ways to borrow money. I've learned you can Mm -hmm. have investors and, you know, it's basically people saying, Hey, here's money. Uh, you're going to pay me back and then some, and that's Mm -hmm. usually how it goes. Or you can get a business loan or you can get a small business administration loan, which is basically a loan that banks supply, but the, the loan is insured by the federal government. So, um, you know, it's insured up to a certain percent. So I borrow a million dollars. If my business goes under, the federal government will repay up to $700,000 of that million dollars. So they're not easy to get because you, they make you jump through so many flaming hoops. I mean, it's nauseating. So, cause you know, they're not going to insure a loan that they, you know, that they don't believe in because mm-hmm. now the federal government's on the hook for your business. So, what happened was, um, you know, we'd been through all the process and we were initially only asking for, you know, a third of what we ended up getting. And but the bank liked us so much, they didn't want us to have investors because when you have investors, you have other opinions. And, you know, the bank just really thought that we knew what we were doing and, you know, wanted us to have full control. So we had um, 
we had applied for this loan and the government shut down. <laughs> so we'd sign the lease because every, like I was saying earlier, like our landlords, everyone was kind of on team, on team vector at this point. And when the government shut down, um, you know, at first, like, every, you know, the landlords and, and our leasing management were like, oh, this will only last like a week. It's no big deal. Well, you know, 20 something days into the government shutdown, we're still mm-hmm. not funded. And everyone's starting to panic because at this point, my husband and I had cashed in everything we had. You know, our lives were in this place, whether it was going to open or not. You know, we mm-hmm. had no you know, retirement left, you know, I mean, it was all gone. Everything was gone. And, um, you know, which isn't necessarily the smartest thing to do, or maybe it is, I, you know, <laughs> depends on who you ask. But um, so, yeah, the story kind of caught on because people were like, what's happening with Vector? Because, yeah, we'd already kind of developed a following locally at this point because we would brew beer in our garage and let people taste it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, it got... It got real hairy there for a minute, but, um, you know, because our story got got passed around. So once the government reopened, some people pulled some strings and got our loan pushed to the front. So while we did lose some time, um, you know, it, it's okay because it gave us – I like to think it gave us some time to focus on some other things and stuff. And we ended up getting the loan, you know, a few months later than we had anticipated because by the time we could submit, there was – Mm-hmm. you know <laughs> other people had had a full month to like prepare <laughs> for their loans um but yeah so it was just you know it was just the first of many very hard obstacles that would get in our way trying to keep this place uh moving forward i guess mhm and do you think that i guess with kind of those government shutdowns that kind of i guess uh give you guys an early start on learning how to adapt, you know, with COVID-19 and you know what? No one has ever asked me that before. That's a good question. (laughs) I'm going to say yes, because I mean, that was a, that was a, I mean, that was, that was a complete just out of left field sucker punch that, you know, no one could see coming and Mm -hmm. COVID-19 was another one. And, um, it, so it makes me think, so we were getting closer to open. We wanted some additional just kind of operating capital. So we did do a crowdfunding investment um, mm-hmm. campaign where people can invest, but they don't have any ownership. And it's like micro investing. And I won't get into exactly what all that entails. But, you know, you, you have to submit your business plan and, and put down all the risks. Because if you're going to take people's money, you really need to let them know, like, here's what could happen. And, you know, we put a lot of crazy contingencies in there, like, a tornado could knock the place over or, you know, Texas Alcohol Beverage Commission could change the laws on us. And, you know, because these, these things do happen and we've seen them happen. But what we didn't predict <laughs> was, a com- was a complete state shutdown because of a global pandemic. I mean, no one sees that coming. And so, um, you know, here we were about to open our doors and the you know, mayor of Dallas is like, okay, no one can operate. And my husband and my managers and I are just staring at each other going, uh, is this real life? Can, are we, have we really been told that we're not allowed to open and our $21,000 rent is due in three days? Like, that's cool. <laughs> like, that's great. So, um, 
yeah, we we were no strangers to giant WTF anvils landing on our heads. So, uh, yeah, I guess it helped prepare us a little bit. <laughs> but <laughs> this one, you know, the government shutdown did last a month, and this one's been going on a lot longer now. So, mm-hmm. hoping to see the end of it sooner rather than later. It is it has not been easy. We I mean we've yet to open as intended, you know. So. Mm -hmm. I don't know. (laughs) We're managing. So I wanted to, yeah, kind of ask on just the adaptations of uh, Vector Brewing uh, during COVID. There was kind of a a quote I remember seeing from uh, world-famous chef David Ching, where he kind of talks about, um, you know, restaurants kind of being in a lot of restaurants being in this situation just because they got too comfortable and weren't um, kind of diversifying their incomes um, before mm-hmm. COVID-19. And I was kind of wondering if really with uh, with Vector Brewing, has any, I guess, revenue streams or cost-saving opportunities popped up? And has this kind of highlighted the need to explore different types of avenues? That's another really good question. So um, I'll start with the biggest problem we have faced is since we weren't open pre-pandemic, we have nothing to compare to. So Mm -hmm. we never, ever had a normal, you know, we don't know how much money we would have been making. I mean, we can guess. I have projections, but, um, you know, so we we really have no basis to compare. So, um, I mean, we did, as for like, as for like diversifying your money and spending it more wisely, I mean, I've been doing the absolute best I can, but your first year of business is also your absolute most expensive because that's when you're buying all your equipment. You know, you're really stocking up on things. You know, there's more repairs because you're dealing with like the crap that the contractors didn't finish building. And, you know, you're still trying to figure out how many staff you need to have on hand. So you have to overstaff. And um, even with COVID, you have to over overstaff because now you have to have like more sanitization protocols and you know, things like that. So um, I can't really accurately, confidently speak to that just because this is my first endeavor. And I've, like I said, never operated normally. Um, But, you know, um, (laughs) I don't know. It's for like, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I have no basis for comparison. Um, you know, we've, we've had it. We just keep saying we have to pivot. We have to pivot because at the very beginning, you know, we're, we're a pub. You, you're supposed to come in, grab a drink, stand around, hang out. If you're hungry, eat a pizza. You know, it's a place designed for you to be social and sit with strangers and, you know, hang out for three hours and, and just kind of enjoy your day. And that is exactly not what you're allowed to do during COVID. So our Mm -hmm. very first pivot was, well, we have to open, so people aren't allowed inside the building. So we're going to deliver to people's cars. So the very first minute we launched, you know, we enabled online ordering, which we were never going to do. It was never in the business plan. And we had over a hundred orders in the first three minutes. So oh. people were very excited that we were here. And they were also very bored because they'd been sheltering in place for two or three weeks at this point. Um mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like, you know, imagine 100 orders coming in in three minutes. That that fills this place up three times over. So 
uh, it took some people three plus hours to get their food to their cars and they weren't, you know, some people thought it was great and some people weren't happy about it. You just want to be like, dude, (laughs) you were number 103. I'm sorry. We only had two people in the kitchen, like hold your horses. (laughs) Um, And so we operated like that for the first two months. We were only open Friday, Saturday for dinner. I guess Sunday for dinner too. Yeah. So it was like four to 10, I think were our hours. And we had, um, you know, we had people in the kitchen and then our beer, you know, um, we have a a crawler machine on the draft system. So basically if we order a can of beer, we fill it off the tap and seam it right there at the bar. We don't have a canning line. We were never intended to distribute. We're not big enough for a seven barrel system. Hmm. So we, had this one little canner within two months did five over 5,000 cans, which is amazing. But then you really see how much, yeah, but you see how much beer goes down the drain. I mean, a literal beer goes down the drain because when you have this super fancy calibrated canning line, your, your liquid loss is minimal. But when you're, it's a human being on the tap, it's it's pouring down the drain. We did our TABC reports versus how much we brewed versus how much we sold. I, I mean, I was almost in tears. I was like, oh, my God, we've lost. <laughs> we've lost $10,000 worth of product that we literally had to pour down the drain. So, um, yeah, so that, that you know, that was, that was hard. But then when we were finally allowed to let people in on June 1st, hold on just a second. I'm sorry. Someone just hate to interrupt the podcast. Hey, come on in. I'm on the phone. Sorry. Um, sorry, I work at a pub and people have to make deliveries. Um, <laughs> but, uh yeah, so um, so when we finally were allowed to let people in on June first, uh, you know, it was people still weren't sure um, how this virus acted, how you caught it, you know, and so it was very interesting because you know, fortunately for us, we have a very large patio. We have a twenty three hundred square foot patio, so we could set people outside. As for the inside, though, all of our tables are so spaced out, you know, it, it's it's like a ghost town in here, even when it's full (laughs) I got one um and so yeah it's just it's not it you know it just makes us really sad because it's not we've never gotten to show people like what this place is supposed to be and Mm -hmm. you know it's it's never you know I mean here we've been open what nine months and and nobody has been able to come here and and you know, experience vector the way it, you know, was intended. You're not allowed to walk around without your face covered. And, you know, we're constantly following people around with sanitizer bottles. And, you know, if no, you know, there are people that will sit inside, but most people won't because all the news is saying is don't eat indoors at restaurants. And even though our tables are more than six feet apart and we've removed all the bar stools and stuff, there's still that fear. And so if it's a day that isn't, beautiful and sunny we have no business at all mm-hmm. and it's just it's just absolutely killer and it's just the kind of thing you can't like you absolutely can't plan for especially if you've never had a chance because we don't have you know we don't have like a stockpile of money to try and float us through like this winter people have been real mad that we don't have patio heaters so i'm like well yeah it's twenty thousand dollars I didn't get twenty thousand dollars. So I've never been over fifty percent capacity. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's really dang hard. So, 
So, yeah, anyway, but the joke was since we had to constantly change the rules all the time, we kept saying, okay, this is vector one, okay, it's vector two, okay, it's vector three. I think we're on like vector seven now. (laughs) Because for like a few glorious weeks, we're at 75% capacity, which you absolutely can't do if you're following all the social distancing ordinances and rules set forth by the city and fun things like that. (laughs) So you kind of talked about. Originally, that kind of to-go deliveries or beer cans um, selling online was not kind of a part of the original business plan. Is that because it's, I guess, it's not a part of the, I guess, community culture of a normal pub? Or yeah, exactly. And you know, we're we like to say, I mean, we're a pub. You know, um, people say the word restaurant, and while yes, I guess technically we are, we really try to use the word pub because it's beer first, food second. Not fair, food's not amazing. So, you know, that was kind of another unfortunate side effect of COVID is that um, people come in and, you know, you have to sit down and you're not allowed to walk around and it comes across as, you know, just a very strict sit down restaurant. And, uh, you know, so it's kind of hurting our branding in a little bit because people don't really know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They don't know what they would be allowed to do otherwise. Yeah. Um, So, um, yeah. Yeah, I also kind of wanted to ask on really uh, – so uh, re- really with the blog, I've done interviews um, kind of based on a report that I saw uh, by Beverage Dynamics, and it really mm-hmm. talks about how consumers during COVID-19 are going more and more towards kind of loyalty brands rather just because they can't stay in the store too long with uh, kind mm-hmm. of social distancing and they're not kind of – they're not going around asking the sales reps on kind of new brands. And I'm kind of wondering, uh, has that been a challenge as a new startup uh, during COVID-19 as far as um, increasing brand loyalty amongst new customers? Is there anything that you guys try to strive for, for that first visit when someone walks through the front doors? Oh, that's really interesting. Um, You know, it it's been hard in the sense that again I'll go or because people didn't get to I guess try our product in the glassware fresh out of the pizza ovens like they should have you know it wasn't it wasn't mm-hmm. as good you know I mean crawler cans are great but like you better drink them pretty soon you know mm-hmm. um, and our our pizzas are stone deck oven pizzas it's not Pizza Hut it's not supposed to be in a box and driven to your house and eaten 30 minutes later it should be eaten right then when it's slapped on your table so you know we have had customers that you know they they gaslight you well i really wanted to like you but and it's like you f off dude <laughs> you know like you ordered a pizza with twice as much sauce and then you were an hour late picking it up like that's not our fault um however the people that do come and come back are extreme, have been extremely loyal. And, you know, I guess that's one tiny part of the pandemic that sort of maybe worked in our favor. I mean, again, I don't know because I never got to open normally, but we were the new thing in town and everyone was starving for just anything because life sucked. Kids weren't in school. Everyone was working from home. There were six people in a house. Like, you know, it was terrible. And so, we were, you know, we were kind of a little, um, let's say like a little getaway for some people. Like what ended up happening was 
you know, every Friday, you know, my team, we all assemble in the kitchen and be like, okay, here we go. Here we go. And all the orders would come in and people would be parking in our parking lot and they would be tailgating. And it was just, it was really nice. So I guess we were able to give some people, you know, a good, something to look forward to and a nice experience when the world was upside down that I think a lot of them have remembered. And, you know, it, it's kind of a little light on such a dark memory is like, well, remember when we all, you know, remember when the owner of Vector came out and she didn't have a coat and it was raining <laughs> delivering pieces <laughs> of beer. Um, so, yeah, but, but also it's been hard getting, it's hard getting new business because, you know, a lot of events aren't around, you know, we were planning on, you know, Lake Highlands, the neighborhood where we are throws annual events all the time, <laughs> annual events all the time. There are several mm -hmm. yearly events that take place throughout the month or the calendar and none of those have happened. So, you know, here we're supposed to be very involved in the community and we planned on being seen a lot and building up loyalty that way. That hasn't, that's been non-existent. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're losing a lot of just kind of word of mouth advertising because people aren't, they're simply not gathering the way they would. Mm -hmm. We're, we're in an area of, um, of Dallas, of Texas, of this country that is, is taking the pandemic like very, very, very seriously. Like we have, we have inspectors from the city come in and inspect us pretty often and make sure we're complying with stuff. So, you know, you hear certain areas of, of DFW and stuff that they like don't care and people don't wear masks. That is not the case here. Like people are very, very, very paranoid. Um, and so it, it, it has made marketing pretty hard because, um, just no one, no one sees us. <laughs> they don't see us. Mm -hmm. They're not driving their cars. Um, I was riding my bike with my kids, you know, a few weeks ago through the neighborhood and we were, um, we had a bike ride for the pub. We were raising money for um, the brewer of Pedicolis, whose son um, has some medical issues. So we were doing like a fundraiser with them. Mm. And my, so my kids and I are marking the bike path the night before and we're drawing X's on the, on the sidewalk. And this, this woman asked us what we're doing. And I was like, Oh, you know, I own Vector Brewing. She's like, Oh, what's that? I am literally behind the pub. Like I'm behind the pub on the next street over. And this woman had no idea we were even here. Oh, and wow. she basically, she told me, she's like the only thing she's like, I order my groceries online. I, you know, I don't go anywhere. This is what I do every day. I walk around the neighborhood. It's like, Wow. And this, this was, I mean, yeah, this was very recent. So it's made it, it's made it hard. You know, our, our fun marketing channels have been taken away from us like so many things. <laughs> <laughs> and what were, I guess, the typical marketing, is there any um, uh, potential marketing channels after COVID-19 when uh, social distancing um, is less or is there any things you would definitely want to try? Um, I mean, you know, our goal is just if people see our faces and get to try our product, that's the best way to do. So once beer festivals are allowed to happen again, we plan on being at them, you know, to get to get that segment of the market. Um, mm -hmm. Local people, we just, you know, we want to go to other businesses and, and, you know, pour beer and serve pizza and, you know, go to go to local carnivals and school things and, you know, that that's the kind of stuff we always wanted to do and we just couldn't. I mean, we were in the midst of buying, you know, ads and all of the like high school and middle school, you know, end of year spring, you know, concerts and stuff when COVID mm -hmm. hit. 
<laughs> so Uh-oh. like everything got canceled and we we're just sitting here looking at the sky going, wait, what? Really? <laughs> Are mm-hmm. you kidding me? <laughs> So yeah, once the life gets more more normal, we just we plan on being out in the community more. That's we feel like that's the best way. Um, you know, we do and we do you know social media and you know we've we've done some like paid ads, but um, you know from what we can tell, the the return on investment hasn't been great unless you're going to spend a ton of money, which again we don't have. But coming from that advertising world, we know that not advertising is suicide. So. Um, we've got some tricks up our sleeves here for the near future. So we're kind of just hunkering down right now. January, February, traditionally the worst times in the service industry. And we're Mm -hmm. feeling it because we never got to, you know, get a nest egg (laughs) because of, (laughs) because of state mandated limited, uh, limited occupancy, which leads to really bad sales. But, um, I don't know. We'll see Mm -hmm. how it plays out. We've, we've got some ideas that I won't completely divulge, but, I hope it works. <laughs> yeah, you said January and February typically the worst months. So why why are those months like the worst for the service industry? So for January specifically, um, you have a lot of New Year's resolutions. So people uh, they're trying to lose weight, be healthier. They're doing dry January. They're not drinking, and a lot of people just spent a ton of money on Christmas and Hanukkah and all that. So they're just they're trying to spend less money and they're trying to eat less. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and it's cold and it's it's kind of icky so you know january they always say is your worst month february gets a little better um but usually march is when people are you know spring is sprung so by march people are ready to come out again um that being said november and even december are supposed to be really good times because you know you're feeling good the year is over you've got money saved up um, November and December were like our worst months before January. And my entire staff who has been in the service industry forever are all just scratching their heads going, this is unprecedented. But you looked at the news and, you know, COVID was worse than it had been. And, you know, they reduced capacity here in, um, well, in Texas again. So it it did what it was supposed to. It scared people off. <laughs> they, mm-hmm. they did a real good job of it. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, and have the I guess the employees at uh, Vector Brewing has there been any changes as far as I guess the responsibilities? Because I could imagine that possibly with less in foot traffic and more delivery or more online business, you need uh, the employees to kind of diversify their skills. Or has there been anything like that? Uh, yeah. So in the very very beginning, you know when people couldn't come in, you know, we, we hired staff and, you know, our bartenders, they're bartenders, they're, they're chatty. They talk to people, you know, that's what they do. And they didn't get to see a single person other than the people working here. So all they were doing was filling cans. It it sucked. It sucked for them. I know it did, you know, and you're just, you're missing that human component. And then our servers, you know, um, or food runners, actually, everyone here, we do counter service with food runners, you know, you're you're in a restaurant setting you're you're used to you know running running to a table going back running to a table going back we were running through a giant we have a giant parking lot and there'd be 50 or 60 cars all here for us and i remember just i mean everyone's by the end of the night everyone's just ankles and knees hurt because i think one i'm trying to remember one of my employees had a fitbit on or something and was like i went eight miles (laughs) 
<laughs> in four hours. We're just like, oh my gosh. Um, and we all just really had to, you know, everyone has a strong suit, but what we ended up having to do, and my employees were the ones that came up with this system, was because we had so many cars in the parking lot. You know, any most restaurants now, you see if they have curbside, they have like four spots out front, and you pull in the spot, you call the restaurant, you say, bring out my possible, and they say, cool. Well, that wasn't the case here because we had so many cars, and our parking lot is not just like the parking in front of the pub. We have parking in front of us, to the side of us, and behind us. So people would be here. And ha- just trying to have them tell us where they were wasn't happening. Like, oh, well, I'm by the tree. Well, there's eight trees out there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> where are you? So we ended up, um, <clears throat> we, we had, we'd have one person, their whole job was to go up to cars, say, what's your order number? And then they'd put a sticky note on the car. So like, what's your order number? Okay, it's 23. They'd put a 23 on a sticky note, slap it on the car. And then they'd come back and someone would update a map. We actually drew out a map of the parking lot. And so we knew where 23 was. And then the runners would come out and be like, 23, they'd look at the map and go, oh my gosh, they're four rows back, three cars down, got it. And so that's basically what we ended up doing was we were like a tactical team of, (laughs) it was like, it was more logistic than it was serving people and then with all the covid protocols you know we have masks on we would open up people's trunks and put it in the back and all this stuff and Mm -hmm. we were constantly sanitizing so we were all wearing this was before they said you had to wear gloves and stuff in fact they were saying don't wear gloves don't wear gloves but we would wear gloves because we were using so much hand sanitizer our you know our skin was falling off so you know we'd spray our hands with alcohol make sure everyone could see that we did it and run food and so it just ended up being you know people that we hired because they were personable and fun they ended up just um running back and forth the cars like nonstop all the time mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it's definitely yeah it's definitely bizarre that uh especially with a, a fit ban eight miles that's uh <laughs> that's really well <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. i mean it's yeah our parking lot is huge and it's a hill i mean it, it was not cool it was not cool i think back i'm like i can't believe that was only about nine months ago it feels like a thousand years Mm -hmm. yeah um i guess really with my last question i really wanted to kind of ask about um so from your copywriting experience and advertisement background i was wondering uh kind of if there was any dfw pubs or restaurants or bars that you respect from just a marketing and advertisement standpoint, uh, just like how they market themselves. Oh, oh man. Oh, I have to think about that one. Um, <laughs> I feel like it's been so long since we, you know, we've uh, really gotten to see anything. I, I will say a lot of the breweries around here have got, you know, do some really great stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Like Celestial, uh, they're in Dallas. They have, really beautiful labels and um, photography. The owner there, she, she has an art background and it shows um, they're really good at getting the community involved in what they do. Like they ha- always have um, contests and stuff for, you know, their can designs. Um, I really like Four Corners branding. It's it's really cool. Um, I mean, Lakewood had really great stuff because it was all my husband. So. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's fair to say or not. I'm a little biased, mm-hmm. but he is quite talented. I'm so sorry. The door's ringing again. Mm-hmm. Hey, well, um, welcome. 
Good. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, but I'm the only yeah, one here today, to... so I got to answer the door. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my students are over there. Yeah, but I just kind of wanted to say thank you again for helping me out with this podcast episode today. Um, yeah, yeah sure. I thought, yeah, it's it's definitely a really cool insight. Um, kind of just on a uh, pub uh, background during COVID-19. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for thanks for thinking of us. We we yeah. got this <laughs> COVID nineteen operation stuff down. I guess maybe we'll see. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I was trying to. Uh, yeah, I forgot to really grab uh, kind of a can of beer the weekend before, but I'm going to make sure to definitely head over there this weekend. Kind of uh, definitely check out the restaurant as well. Do it. Yeah, we'd love to have yeah. you. And um I'm trying what part of the what part of the Metroplex are you in? I'm in Mid Cities, the Grapevine area. Mid Cities. Okay, I'm trying to think. So we you know, distribution was not the plan, um, but we have sold a few kegs to like six six bars in the area and I'm trying to think who closer to you might have one of them. Problem is we sell the kegs and then we don't know when they're tapping them. Um mm-hmm. South is it Southside Cellars in Fort Worth is tapping one tomorrow. It's our collaboration with Lakewood Brewing. Um, oh, okay. I can't, yeah, I can't remember. I think most of them are closer to us. I think that's the only one that was like far out. But being in the mid cities, yeah, it's like you might as well drive here. <laughs> it's like Fort Worth here. It's probably about the mm-hmm. same. So yeah, no, come on out. You'll you we have a ton of stuff on tap. So no matter what you like, we've got something to scratch that itch. <laughs> 